Hey, welcome to the Vine Church Podcast. We know you're going to be blessed as you listen to this amazing word today. Sit back and enjoy. stand together. Anybody a little bit cold? A little bit cold? A little bit cold? All right, what I want you to do for 60 seconds, <laughs> clap your hands as fast as you can and jump. Jump. Come on, 60 seconds. Come on, come on, come on. Come on, guys, get that thing going. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. 60 seconds. That's all it takes. That's all it takes. That's all it takes. Come on, keep it going, keep it going, keep it going. Pull my trousers up. All right, give us somebody a high five. Quickly, turn around, give us somebody a high five. Let's get this thing warmed up. Okay, good morning, Vine Church. We're ready to go. I got a message for you this morning, and um, it's a message, and I'm excited about it. And um, I've been enjoying the preachers in the last few weeks, Aaron and Stuart and Alan. And, and last week, I sat there as I do, I bring my notebook every week. And uh, I don't write notes because I'm going to read them again. Because the chances are I don't, but I do quite a bit. I take notes because I find when I write it down, I can remember them. And it drives it home and I love it. And I couldn't write fast enough last week because Alan was coming out with some brilliant one-liners on the kingdom of God. And the only way I could describe it is like, and I was in the car coming down this morning, and I said, Lord, how would I describe what happened to me last week? Because something happened. Something happened. And uh, the only way I could describe it is Alan took a, a gallon of petrol, poured it on the Lord's Prayer, and set a match to it. And um, every second line he came out with, the Holy Spirit was speaking to me. And guess what he was saying? This is real, you know. This is real, you know. This isn't a toy story. This is real, you know. This is real, you know. And if people honestly believe it was real, it would change everything. It would change everything. And I sat on the edge of my seat. And as I sat there, I was conscious something was going on. I was conscious. See, the word of God goes out, and it always comes back with fruit. Something always happens. And when Alan said about thy kingdom come, it started to happen. I didn't know, but I could just sense in the atmosphere something's going on. And guess where the kingdom came down first? Because when the kingdom comes down, when God's power and presence comes down, it changes everything. And I'll tell you where it came down first, in the place you least expect it sometimes. Back rooms where the children were working away, preparing the kids for Christmas. And uh, one of, I think it may have been Rose said to one three-year-old little granddaughter of mine, she's telling them she's got great news. And she breaks the news, you're going to be an angel. A couple hours later, she comes into the room crying. <laughs> I don't want to be an angel, Granda. There's no, di- in other words, and when she says that, that means that's it. The boy's burst. <sighs> I'm not being an angel. And as soon as, 
soon as she said that, the Holy Spirit said, the Bible says, out of the mouth of the out of the mouths of babes and sucklings comes forth wisdom. And I had no idea what was going on, but I knew I better pay attention. The Holy Spirit's trying to nail me. I said, Angel, why don't you want to be an angel? I want to be woody. You want to be woody, darling? Yeah, and if I ain't going to be dressing up as woody, I ain't going in that nativity play. I go, we got a problem in our hands now, guys. That's the whole play crashing now. And so for 48 hours, all I could think of was the kingdom had come. And then a couple of nights later, she comes through. I've had a dream, Granddad. I had a dream. And heaven came down in that dream. She said, Granddad, I saw heaven. I said, what was that like, Angel? And she said, the most specific thing I've heard the child say. She says, I don't know, Granddad, because I wasn't allowed in. I'm paying attention now. You weren't allowed in. No, well, why did you get taken there? Because I saw my favorite cat, Ginger, from across the street, Dylan. And Dylan was doing all right. Just let me know Dylan was doing all right. And the angels were taking care of Dylan. Quick as a flash, grandmother was on it. And I knew. She said, sweetheart, I know. I know in a toy story, Woody is the hero. But in a real story, who do you think's looking after your best friend, Dylan? And she went like this to grandma's ears and she whispered, grandma, grandma, tell granddad I've changed my mind. I'm going to be an angel now. Let's give it up for the Lord God. Come on, babes and sucklings, babes and sucklings. But, I, but I'm, I'm on toast now because I know something's going on. And I know something's going on. In a toy story, this, this is real now. I honestly wonder how many of us went home after those preachers and went, this is real, this Jesus, he's real. When you worship him, he's real. When you speak to him, he's real. And when he responds, it's real. And when Alan said, put your new glasses on, that's what happened. And this week, every morning I've wakened, and I don't know why, but I've had new glasses on. And even when I went to the Lord's Prayer, Alan touched on, and I'll read it to you. Could I ask you to do me a favor? Listen with new glasses on. Listen, please. Because if you do, it will change everything. This is then how you should pray. Jesus says to his disciples, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth. And that means in your house and in mine. As it is in heaven, give us today our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we forgive the debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory. Guys, if his kingdom came down on you in this moment, if his power and glory came down on you in this moment, what would it be like? And I had that question burning me all week. If God answered that prayer and that preach, what would it look like? Because Elma and I have had the choice, uh, the privilege of traveling to a number of countries, and we've seen what it looks like, and we've tasted it, and it's like nothing else. And you know what? I said to the Holy Spirit, could you teach me one thing? One thing that I could do every morning, and it would open the heavens, the floodgates of heavens, and let them come down. And he said, I will. And he taught me one new thing. And I want to share that. I only have one point today. You'll be glad to know. That deserves an applaud to the Lord Jesus. Eh? <laughs> Nothing worse than these 20-point preachers. Eh? There we go. A key. And people come to church for hope. They come because 
for a number of reasons, but we all come for hope and we want to go home with something. And it's always my great desire that I don't just tell funny stories. I don't, do, but, but, but you can give people something to go home with. It'll change everything. And heaven comes down, everything changes. It started, I think it was about Monday, heaven came down for a second time to my house. My sister sent me a message to let me know heaven came down to visit my brother, Donald, and suddenly took him home to heaven. Heaven came down the next day. Because on Tuesday morning, I woke up thinking, how do I normally respond to a death in the family? And Alan's words burned in me that morning. See everything with new eyes. See even death. And a fire burned in me on Tuesday morning. In the middle of death of my own brother, I checked Facebook, and one of the best worship leaders in this country had just put a message on. And on the message, it was his tools of the trade. He has two. But he has to sell one of his guitar for 2,200 pounds, Because his skin. But life was in me. Fire was in me. I saw the new eyes. And I sent him a little message. I said, no. No, you have to see this with new eyes. You have to see the kingdom has come. And when the kingdom comes, oh, God's resources and his powers and his blessings comes with it. Everything. So you have to see 10 o'clock, 10 p.m. on your clock right now. And you have to see 2,200 pounds in your back pocket. And your tools of the trade you use for Jesus to worship. We can be still sitting, shining in your house. Before that, everybody who had the old glasses on, they were like, oh, what a shame. What a, well, you know, what a shame, what a shame. And I was reading it to find somebody who would have new glasses on. And by the way, I've never actually met this guy. And I was being a bit cheeky, to be honest. Because like, hey, get your butt moving into faith. He texts me at 10 p.m. that night. Guess what happened? 3,200 pounds in his back pocket and his worship guitar for Jesus still sitting there. Come on, guys. Give it up. You have a choice, even in death, to see with new eyes. And it's the first time I didn't allow myself, and there's nothing wrong with a good mourn and a good grief. The Bible said that's fine. And that, that's what you have to do sometimes. But nothing stops you having new glasses on and in the midst of it, somehow bringing life. Heaven touched down. On day three, I got a message that a man in America wanted to speak to me. A man who's just helped to lead 800,000 people to Jesus Christ in Nigeria last week. He wants to talk to me. And I knew, I knew Alan Kelly was the troublemaker that stirred all this up. I said, what, what's going to happen now? <laughs> and, and what happened was, I said, okay, I call him. Who are you? Well, I'm a world-renowned cardiologist who raises the dead in his GP practice in Miami, Florida. I said, Lord above, have you written any books? Oh, yeah. I've written, I've written two books. One is called Touching Heaven. The other one is called Raising the Dead. I don't mind telling you, even in the midst of a family death, heaven has been knocking my door every day this week. Why don't we applaud the Lord Jesus Christ to heaven? If, if, his word is returning with fruit, guys. And heaven opened up to this man. And miracles are taking place through this man's life. I said, why, why, why do you want me to speak to you? Well, I want to come and see you. I want to work with you. I want to come to Scotland. 
Reinhard Bonnke is doing a big, huge crusade, and I'm on his board in London. But I, I don't want to, I want to go to the forgotten places and the forgotten people and the little towns and the little churches. I said, I, I, <laughs> you might want to come to the kingdom then. Oh, five, thy kingdom come. And so what happened was his 14-year-old son died and he had a choice to make. And in the middle of that choice, he had a choice to stay with the old glasses. But he put his new glasses on and he reminded himself the incredible miracles his 14-year-old son had experienced for four solid years. And he made a decision. When his son goes to heaven, he's going to bring the message of heaven to everybody he knows. And he said, for this son, Lord, I want one million sons. I want one million new souls. And he got 800,000 just last week. I've watched 20 of his clips on the internet. I've picked a little short one for you today. Four minutes, sit back and enjoy Dr. Chancy, Dr. Chancer, Dr. Chauncey Crandall. If you believe in miracles, you probably believe in the power of prayer, especially the power to heal the sick. In our travels, we met up with a doctor whose prescription for good health includes prayer. And you'll be shocked at the results. He was a little bit late for work. Uh, called up, said he wasn't feeling quite well, but he was on his way in. Message from Jillian, my older daughter. Mom, Dad's in the hospital. He's had a heart attack. Come to Palm Beach Gardens Hospital. Brittany is here. I didn't know what, what happened because we didn't really have that great of a relationship. The next call I got was from the hospital. They were looking for his uh, emergency contact information. So uh, I got a hold of his daughter. My neighbor came and picked me up from school, and then we went on our way over here. Mm -hmm. And at that point, he was gone. 53-year-old Jeff Markin died September 20, 2006. His co-worker, Scott Steffen, alerted the family to get to the hospital. But Jeff's heart stopped after emergency room doctors tried to resuscitate him countless times. And I said, just stop this. And the emergency room doctor agreed after 30 or 40 minutes of working on this man who had been dead. But something unexpected stopped the cardiologist from walking out the door that moment. As I was coming out this doorway, I heard this voice turn around and pray for that man. And it was a clear voice, a soft voice that I heard. And I've heard that voice before. And you know, when the Lord calls you to do something, you want to do it. I called. My friend Connie, part of the prayer group, and she said, I said, Jeff's had a heart attack. Please get this out there. Jeff had folks as far away as England praying for him. Even his estranged ex-wife and daughter joined hands right outside the ER that day. But it's not that often you see a doctor praying for their patient. All of a sudden, these words came out of my mouth. Father God, I cry out for this man's soul. Raise him from the dead now, in Jesus' name. The nurse looked at me like, what are you saying? And then the emergency room doctor walked in, and I said, shock this man one more time. So he went over to the body, put the paddles on, shocked the man, and then all of a sudden, this heart rate came back perfectly normal. When you weren't conscious, what do you remember? What did you see? I remember uh, being in the back of the funeral home. I was mad that none of my friends or family came to visit me. My next memory or recollection is, he told me everything was going to be okay. Both Jeff and his family felt everyone's prayers gave them all a second chance. When someone tells you that like your dad's not here anymore for so many minutes and then they tell you that he is and you don't have that great of a relationship with him, you regret so much that you're like, I wasn't there. And then the next thing I know, I woke up in my daughter's arms. And it was really 
emotional. And I said to him, this is the best birthday gift. That was, it was an emo emotional time. It was an amazing time. Why on this day did he turn around and go back into the room with confidence that I was gonna be all right and, and work on me more to bring me back to life? All right, give it up, guys. Come on. God is, he told me. You know, one of the first persons he prayed for that was raised from the dead, it was brilliant, it was ex-40s man, huge man, strong, jumped off the table, grabbed him by the throat and pinned him against the wall and lifted him up. He was going to kill him. He said, excuse me, me, you know, I just prayed and raised you from the dead. And he said, you have no idea. You have no idea where I've been. <laughs> you have no idea how beautiful it is. You have no idea what heaven is like. You have no idea how fantastic. And you brought me back to this. <laughs> Come on, give it up once more, guys. I love that. Heaven is real. Angels are real. Jesus is real. And guess what? You know, guess what? A Salvation Army, Army preacher last week in Manchester used a term. Being born again and again and again and again every day. Not brilliant theology, but a good kick up the shirt tail. Born again, and to be born, to wake up each morning like you're going to be born again. To be wake up. Wasn't that song good that George sang for us? No, it wasn't. It was obviously rubbish. Yeah, it was all, all, immense. <laughs> I thought it was brilliant. Wonder, because the whole song, everything I saw in that song was new glasses on seeing anything different. But here's the thing. The Holy Spirit has impressed me with this week. He wants thy kingdom to come down on you and your home every single day. I grabbed a young man in the hotel at Emiratus uh, Cricket Ground. Uh, ho hotel I think, it, I think it was built into the stadium. Tall, six feet three African. I just grabbed him by the hand. Never seen him in my life before. I said, you have no idea. He said, pardon? I said, you have no idea. What do you mean? I said, you have no idea what it's like. Have you any idea that inside your body is billions and billions of little cells? And if you've got any idea that inside every one of these cells is hundreds of millions of little things jumping about, and God made everyone when you're in your mother's womb, and you're standing there like he doesn't love me. God never formed me and fearfully wonderfully made me in my, my mother's womb. You're looking at me like, hello? You're looking at me like none of that happened. So I've got one piece of advice for you, son. I know you're serving coffees, you're doing a good job, but you need to seek his face and seek until Jesus is real to you and seek the plan he has for your life because it's mind-blowing. When his kingdom came down, it was with a plan for you. And off he went, just eyes like saucers. The next morning he served us at the table, he didn't speak. I thought, no, I've, offended, I've gone and offended another big Muslim. Honestly, it's funny how the kingdom can be robbed for you very quickly, eh? If you let doubt and fear come. And I was like, well, maybe he's a Hindu, maybe he's this, maybe that. And I'm going through for an hour, he served us, he didn't look at us, he didn't speak. And I couldn't figure what I'd done wrong. But at the end of the breakfast, he came up to me. And he said, sir, may I have a word with you? I said, of course. <laughs> and the mystery was solved. He said, he said, I want to thank you so much for everything you said to my twin brother last night. <laughs> How quickly our faith escapes, eh? He says, because he came in and told me. He told me what you said and the impact this had on his life. And it's changed him. He told me what he said. I said, so you were moving and jumping about in your mother's womb at the same time, son? Aye. And he said, do you know the question I asked him? The question I asked him was, 
Was it a black African man that spoke to you? And he says, no, it wasn't. <laughs> he said, well, it wasn't a British man because they don't have that kind of passion and spirituality. Strange thing, eh? <laughs> they believe Toy Story. They wouldn't do that. And he said, well, if it wasn't an African man, it had to be an Irishman. Because my girlfriend's Irish and they've got spirituality and passion. I was loving this conversation, by the way. And I said, well, my dad's Irish. Does that qualify? Aye, that'll do, he says. I said, it's nothing to do with that, son. It's nothing to do with color and it's to do with, this is real, son. This is real. This Jesus is real. And every cell in your body is jumping about now because when I came in this room, the kingdom came with me. Because a preacher said last week, the kingdom of God is within me. If Jesus is with me and the kingdom is within me, when I came in and you served my breakfast this morning and you didn't speak to me, the kingdom was all over you. And now he's all over every one of these billion cells in your body and you'll never sleep again until you give your life to Jesus Christ. Let's give it up for the Lord. It's good fun, eh? Come on, guys. I want to mention the point in a minute, all right? I want to mention the point in a minute. But um, what struck me there was Alan just put a seven-course meal on for us. But you know what? You could look at that meal. You could sniff that meal. You could walk around that meal. You could even pay for that meal. But if you don't lay hold of that meal, if you don't do something, dig deep in God and his word and pray, if you don't lay hold of it, then it's just another nice wee sermon that floats by. It's like I was telling the guys at breakfast yesterday, David Cochran did a great job at breakfast. I was telling them about the lady, the lady that asked the, the minister to visit her and she put her most expensive silver favorite teaspoon on his cup for his tea. And when he left, she went, oh no, that rat bag stole my spoon. The spoon disappeared. One year later, she invited him back for tea and said, you stole my spoon. She says, no, I never. I just put it in your Bible. Come on, that's all right. I mean, come on, it's cold. So here's the point. Here's the one point. Here's the one point. And I want to encourage you to unleash the power, the presence of Jesus into your home, your life, your family, and business every single morning when you wake up. Here's the key. Number one, begin with the end in mind. That's the point. Begin each day how you want it to end. Begin each day how you want it to end. Begin each day so you pray. In fact, I want to encourage you to buy yourself a kingdom miracle notebook and write down one single thing the Holy Spirit tells you every day. One thing. How do you want the day to end? Like when I said to the guy with the guitar, your day's not ending that way because I've seen the end. I've seen 10 o'clock. I've seen the money in your back pocket. I made a decision, even though I don't know the guy, how that day's going to end, whether he likes it or no. And here's the thing. In the morning, worries will come to you. Fears will come to you. Sicknesses will come to you. That's the moment to kick your faith into action and go, no! Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And whatever your daily bread is that you need today, you ask God for it, you write it down, and you decide by 10 o'clock at night, don't let the devil decide how your day is going to go and end. Don't let your flesh decide how your day is going to go and end. Don't let the demons decide how your day is going to go. Don't let depression decide how your day is going to go and end. You decide in the morning, do you know what? 10 o'clock at night, I'm going to be bouncing off the walls with excitement because I'm going to call his kingdom down. I'm going to write down how the day, and once you write down how your day is going to on end, from that moment on, you swim all day long in the river of the Holy Spirit, and you call the fire of God down, and you decide. No devil's deciding, no demon's deciding, no principal's deciding, but the Holy Spirit will decide how my day is going to end. Glory be to God. Come on, guys. <laughs> 
if you read your Bible carefully, you will see it's the way Jesus lived. Think about this. Jesus, he's real. He decided to begin with the end in mind. For God so loved the world, he sent his only son, that whoever should believe in him, Jesus, this is, this is how the Bible puts it, for the joy set before him, the end, for the joy set before him, the end, for the joy set before him in paradise with all his children come on, for that joy, he endured the cross. But if you begin your day with a cross and the troubles and the, you know, the lack and the bank account, and the, then that's how you're going to end the day. But Jesus is going to great for the joy set, for the end goal. Alan gave us a board, was it expect a miracle, Alan, did it say? You know, expect a miracle. I want to just, you can't add to the sermon because it's brilliant, but allow me the license to put two words on then. Expect a miracle every day. Don't expect, oh, it's going to be a long day and I'm going to be knackered and the bairns this and la, 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 la. Your spirit is filled with the Holy Spirit and you must come to an agreement with God how your day is going to finish. Come and say amen to that, guys. One point, begin with the end in mind. But you know what? There are hundreds and thousands of books on the promises of God. I've not seen one, and they're probably out there somewhere. I haven't seen one on the fact that every promise comes with a condition attached. It's a bit like the wife. She says, I'll make your tea if you clean the windies. <laughs> like, I'm going to starve if I don't do it, darling. Right? Fair enough. And uh, lots of people talk about the promises, but hardly anybody talks about the condition. Every promise got a condition attached. And I want to share you with the condition. Because let's take a little moment to have a squint at what it looks like when somebody calls heaven down. Two little old ladies in the islands of Scotland called heaven down, called Duncan Campbell, who didn't want to come, called heaven down. Heaven came down. The glory of God came down. 400 people arrived at the police station in the middle of the night confessing their crimes. People were falling in the ditches repenting. And when it began to happen in Wales, the pits and the mines in Wales came to a close because so many miners came to Jesus, they stopped swearing. And when they stopped swearing, the horses didn't care what they were saying. Couldn't understand the word they were saying. I know one or two people like that. Anyway, amazing things. The churches and islands were bursting at the seams. People came early to get a seat, and the meetings never seemed to end. They went on for hours. Nobody wanted to leave because the presence and the glory of God was so strong. I've been in prisons of the world. I've been in the darkest places. I've been in the darkest jungle of the Amazon, and I've seen this, the glory of God coming down. Bodies rising for the dead and eye blind eyes seeing. Guys, if you any idea what's going to happen when the glory of God comes down in this place, you won't have an empty seat. You probably won't even have a seat for yourself. You have to come early. You have to stay a bit longer. You have to get elbows in the ribs as folks shove you in the door. When I arrived in Argentina and the glory of God filled with so many thousands bursting to get in the church, I saw a woman nearly die. I couldn't believe it. I saw women because they were shoving and cramming together. They couldn't get in quick enough because Jesus was there and he was doing miracles. It was great. And one woman had a big, long, long Doctor Who scarf on and it got trapped in the door. And people were shoving her and shoving her and she was going blue and blue and blue. I thought, oh, well, at least she'll get to heaven before me, but that's fair enough. I don't know how she survived, but nobody twigged. Their enthusiasm was killing this poor woman. Can it happen again in Scotland, guys? Come on, guys. Can it happen again in our midst? 
Where's the faith, guys? Where's the faith? Where's the faith? Where's the faith? It don't matter where the faith is because Jesus is just the same. But I want to give you something that's helped me massively. The condition. Here's the condition. Because schools, schools are in a mess right now. Teachers doing their best they can, but they're getting pressure to teach the kids all kinds of weird things. But it can happen here. The Holy Spirit can touch these kids in the schools by the hundreds and show them Jesus and bring them home to him. And it can happen on your watch and on mine. And at 65, I'm stupid enough or wise enough, I don't know which, to believe that what Alan preached last week can happen again in your lifetime and mine. And here's what it takes. What will it take, guys? What will it take? Here's a cracker. It will simply take one person or one group who is willing to do what they don't want to do. Hello? You see, there's loads of brilliant teaching in the body of Christ about your sweet spot and your gift and, and, and you know, your talents, and God's going to use that. That's true, and that's good. But if you want to see a move of God, then you have to see his power work through your weakness. And as I looked in the Bible for this, I couldn't believe what I saw. Moses did not want to speak to Pharaoh. But the moment he was willing to do the one thing God didn't want him to do, boom! <laughs> Deliverance for the whole of Israel. Jonah, he didn't want to go to Nineveh. Wales is not in my spiritual gift mix. He didn't want to go to Nineveh. But eventually, you know what happened. The glory of God came down on Nineveh. Naaman, the leper, he did not want to go and dip in the Jordan seven times. He didn't want to do it. The disciples had no desire whatsoever to entertain 5,000 uninvited, unexpected, ungrateful, hungry guests. A young man, friend of mine, was asked to be a youth pastor. <laughs> I'll tell you what, I'll do anything. I'll do anything. Anything for Jesus. And I mean anything. But youth, oh my sweet Lord, in a million light years is the last thing I want to do. Don't want to do it. But he did. Because the key to this thing is obedience when Jesus knocks your door every day, like he did with Abraham, and says, I want the one thing you don't want. I want your Isaac. I want your son on the altar. I want you to put your son on the altar. And when Fayardo decided just to obey, the youth group, the glory of God came on it, and it became the largest and fastest growing youth group in the whole world. What if you wake up in the morning and say, Lord, what's the one thing I don't want to do today? I don't want to phone and say sorry to that person. I don't want to speak to that African waiter in the hotel. I don't want to walk across the street and bless that neighbor. I'll do anything, God, but that one thing, that one thing, and that's the one thing God is calling for. Today, he wants your Isaac, whatever it is. One young man gets saved in, in India, and uh, he reads his Bible, and it said, the disciples laid hands on people, and the sick were healed. I love this story. An Indian pastor told me this once last week. He said, he said, the young man goes to the hospital and asks permission to lay hands on the sick. And he lays hands on the sick every single week. Every single day for seven solid years, 
Nobody gets healed. Seven years. And the pastor said, son, you don't get a wee bit discouraged. He said, I would be discouraged if I disobeyed. But I've learned obedience is better than results. See, so I read in the Bible, pray for the sick, they'll get healed. I pray for the sick. Then a lady gets saved and she finds that Jesus is real. So real. She goes back, tells everybody in her village, everybody. Two, three years later, she calls the preacher. She says, you better come. You better come. You better come quick. You better come quick. Sit down. My friends want to know about Jesus. So he said, I better go. And he arrived at a rice field. And 22,000 of her friends showed up to hear about Jesus. Because one man did the thing that most people don't want to do. Seven years of obedience. The one thing you don't want to do. You see, Alan started the sermon with a great line. And I've asked myself and rebuked myself. He said, are you paying the price to see better? Are you paying the price? And when God finds a man, woman, or group who'll hold nothing back, who'll give them their all. See, most Christians live like it's a toy story. And you could talk to them. And very often they'll give you a very good sound theological reason why they believe what they do. Oh, they believe, you know, Jesus was a good hero. And even once in a while, once in a while he even speaks. It's useless that, eh? Once in a while he speak. But as soon as you talk about supernatural heaven, kingdom, showing up and doing mighty miracles, raising the dead, blind eyes opening, the lame walking, as soon as you talk about that, you discover they ain't following the woodmaker at all. They signed up to follow and obey the woodmaker. But they live like they're following Woody. But I want to finish this by saying, guys, he's real. Jesus is real. He's real. And his presence and his Holy Spirit and his power is real, guys. It's real. And he'll show up every single day in your life. If you ask him, Jesus, how do you want this day to end? What's the one thing I write down? What's the great miracle I want to write down? What's the thing you put on my heart today? Write that miracle down. That miracle down. Write it down. And then swim all day long in the Holy Spirit as if the miracle's already happened. Give thanks to God as if it's happened. Walk and live by faith every day. Believe God for it. And heaven, I promise you, heaven will come down with all its resources, all its power. You will begin to see miracles in your marriage, your resources, your business, your health, like you cannot believe. Now, Jesus knows you'll do anything for love. How many people in this room would do anything for love? A few hands went up. That's good. 
And he knows your heart. He knows everybody's heart. That truthfully, hey, Jesus, we gave our life to you. We gave your all. I'll do anything for love. But he ain't after our love today. He's after your do that. And every Christian I've ever met in my life has a do that. I'll do anything for you, Jesus, but I won't dance. I'll do anything for you, Jesus, but I won't sing in public. I'll do anything for you, Jesus, but I won't give you the first part of my wallet. I'll do anything for you, Jesus, but I won't give you the first part of my week and be in church each week. In America, I was told yesterday the churches now plan on people showing up once every four weeks. Now, if you give God a quarter of your life, guess what you're going to get back? In London, the mega churches, they plan on everybody being there every second week. But when God finds a man or a woman so on fire, you're bursting the doors down like the Chinese Christians, the Indian Christians, the Nigerian Christians. You're bursting the doors down an hour early because you ain't going to get a seat. Now, I've got a question for you guys. And could the band just come up for a moment, please? What? Let the Holy Spirit speak to you right now. Let him speak to you. What is your do that? Because when I asked the Lord that question after Alan preached, he gives me a brand new do that every day. A brand new won't do that. Guess what he asked me to do this morning? He asked me to call the son of the most famous young man that's ever been in this town and lead him to Jesus before the night's out. I'm like, oh, Lord. I'm like, oh, not today, Lord. Maybe tomorrow. Maybe tomorrow. Maybe tomorrow. And he's like, that sure won't do that. And every day, the Holy Spirit now is showing me the key to the miracle for that day. And nine times out of ten, the key to your miracle each day is something like you don't want to do, like the last thing you want to do. So let's stand together and close our eyes. The Holy Spirit wants to bless you. He wants to reveal to you the door, the door and the miracles that stand on the other side of that. What is it you decided you won't do? What is it? Come on, guys. Let's close our eyes and pray. Hey, I'm, I'm 75 now, so I won't do this and that. I, I, I'm a young guy, so I'm cool, so I won't do that. But I feel from the Holy Spirit, he doesn't want anybody stuck in depression. He doesn't want anybody stuck in fear or worries. And you know, after this ministry time, I'd love if we could finish with that wonder song because I sang that song today with my new glasses on. Changes everything. And I want to invite you. What is the miracle you need today? What's the miracle breakthrough you need in your family or your marriage or your, your family, your kids? What's the miracle breakthrough you need in your health? Because every single day, the Holy Spirit wants to wake you expecting a miracle. That day and every day. And you go through your life not struggling in faith and wondering, but full of wonder. And every day you're wondering, oh my Lord, what miracle is going to happen today? What great things. You know, he loves you that much. Every one of these billion cells in your body, even some of those white cells, somebody told me they're kamikaze pilots. <laughs> they will even fight disease for you and give their life for you. Maybe some of you medical people can confirm that that's true, but that's how fearfully and wonderfully he loves you and he's made you. 
He wants, you don't want to live in depression and fear and struggle. He wants to visit you every day. He wants the kingdom to come to your home every day. But if you give him your Isaac today, give him your do that. Just say, Lord, I give you that. Maybe tragedy came and you decided, I ain't going to believe in miracles again. Well, I don't have no choice. I'm sorry, I don't have that luxury, guys. I visit a young man. If he doesn't get a miracle, if he doesn't get a miracle or a lung transplant, I genuinely don't know what the future holds for him. But every night, before I go to sleep, I go to the throne room. I step in the throne room. I say, Jesus, you said, we're seated in heavenly place. So let's go take a seat beside you for two minutes. And I ain't going back down there until you give me two lungs for that boy. I want a couple of new lungs for this boy. And every night, I'll go to my room as early as I can. I say, Jesus, I know you got two new lungs for this boy. I ain't going back. I ain't going down there until you give me his two lungs. I can go down. And every day I see these two new lungs. And every day I believe and I pray that soon they will land, the kingdom will come. What do you need? You need a new lung? You maybe need a new spiritual lung. You maybe need new fire, you've lost it. You maybe need new faith, you've lost it. Give them your do that. Give them your one do that. Put it on the order. Give them your all. Start again. No matter what age you are, the Holy Spirit fire will fill you. Heaven will visit you every day this week. You can expect a miracle every morning. Decide how you're going to end your day. Don't let doubt, fear, and the devil decide how your day is going to end. Jesus is in you. The kingdom is in you. Will you go into your child's room? The kingdom goes with you. And no devil, no fear, no demon can stay in that room. Wherever you go, to the cafe, where you go to work, be aware of something. The kingdom is going with you. And expect atmosphere to change. Expect them to speak to you. And let's see every chair in this building. Let's see no space left in any church in Scotland. Let's see the glory of God. Let's see the glory of God come down in the lifetime, guys. All because you put your Isaac on the altar and you gave him your one do that. Holy Spirit, touch every person. Give them those new glasses to see the end of their day every day and begin the day with the end in mind rejoicing all day long let's applaud the lord jesus christ guys george can we sing the wonder song george can you hear me okay when it comes to that guitar but can you just turn that thing up man because I, I need to hear that thing again it's so good that bass and drums and vocals today i'm telling you it's just, give it up for the guys it's brilliant i'm loving it loving it but don't be shy, George. Let that thing rip, because it's great. Step into wonder, guys. God bless you, and have a great week. Holy Spirit filled. Heaven come down. <laughs>